Well, let's bow together. Father, it is indeed uh, an opportunity for us to welcome you. And Father, we also want to welcome your divine word into our heart. So speak to us clearly. Continue to transform lives for your name's sake and for your glory. And we give you praise for it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, go ahead and open your Bibles with me, if you will. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 8 through 13 this morning. Continuing the series, 24 Carat Faith. James is writing to Jewish believers. And in this text of Scripture, we're going to see that he is magnifying our need to love one another. So James chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Stand with me in honor of God's Word this morning. You got it there in front of you? Say yes. Uh, y'all, y'all, I'm fixing to preach. Y'all got it there in front of you? Say yes. I want y'all to be with me. Look at verse 8 there. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin, and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, well, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are being judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Let's bow together. Father, we are thankful for this great privilege of being called disciples. We also give you glory for this great commission to make disciples everywhere. And God, we also understand, as this text teaches, that we have this great commandment to love one another, love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to do that faithfully so that others might come to know you personally. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said... Amen. So you can be seated. Well, there was a group of people who used to follow Jesus during his ministry here on the earth. His public ministry was around three to three and a half years, and people were always dogging his steps, trying to put him on the spot and get him in trouble, asking difficult questions. And on one occasion, a lawyer came to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, tell us, what's the greatest commandment? And uh, he was hoping that that would trip Jesus up because there's so many commandments found in the Old Testament Scripture. But Jesus just very simply said, well, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest commandment. And if you think about that, it's really just two categories that Jesus tells you and I to love. We're to love God with every fiber of our being. Our heart should be bent towards heaven. Our devotion should be given to Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says that we present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable act of worship. So we're to love God. But then we've got on this other hand, another category. There's this idea of loving others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, as I'm studying for this text of Scripture to be able to preach to you this morning, I begin to think to myself, loving God, I can understand that. I can kind of get down with that. But love others, like love everybody. Everybody. Everybody in your family. Everybody in your extended family. Really? Love your neighbors as yourself. Now, James has already given this phenomenal picture to you and I in James chapter 2. 
Remember last week he said, hey, if a rich guy comes to worship and a poor guy comes and you show preferential treatment to the rich guy, but you kind of shun the poor guy, you're discriminating and showing favoritism, and that is sin. And now he's going to launch into this next passage of Scripture, and he's going to say that we need to love one another. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. So with that in mind, really the major question of the text is, how does James teach us to love one another? How does he do that? And here's the very first answer. He's teaching us that we cannot be picky about who we love. We cannot be picky about who we love. Matter of fact, the culture of God's kingdom is love. Look in your Bible at verse 8 again. He says, if, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Now, James here is introducing to you and I a new concept. It's the idea of the royal law. Now, just that very term, royal, elevates the law that is being given. As a matter of fact, this law is often considered a law that is fit for a king. Now, you consider that for just a moment. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus was governed by this marvelous mandate of loving other people. In fact, he was very quick to minister to all who came into his path. He would minister to both the rich and the poor. He would minister to the strong and the weak. He would also minister to those who were Jew as well as those who were Gentile, those of a different ethnic group as himself. To be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ was to be in the presence of someone who displayed genuine affection toward the human soul. And it is true, the royal law is what should govern all of those who follow King Jesus. Now look at me eyeball to eyeball because here's an awesome truth. Jesus Christ is king over the earth, and Jesus Christ is governed by love, and Jesus invites us to be a part of his kingdom, and when we come into his kingdom by faith in Jesus and what he's done on the cross for our sin through his burial and resurrection, when we enter into this kingdom, we are now governed by this awesome love. And the Bible says that you and I, check this out, are a royal priesthood of people for God's own possession. Jesus is the royal king. The law is royal and it says love one another. And you as followers of Jesus Christ are royal indeed and you should be governed by this massive and awesome law. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ taught this law to his first disciples. He says in John 15, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And then listen to what he says. Greater love has no man than this, that he will lay down his life for his friends. See, genuine love is a sacrificial love, a love that is unselfish, a love that puts the needs of others above your own. Paul the Apostle writes in Philippians 2, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. And then he says this, don't just look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Did you hear that? Look out for the interest of others. That is the royal law in action. We love one another. Indeed, Chip Ingram preached a sermon this past week on the radio that I had the opportunity to listen to. And he said, quote, the church has a marketing plan in our culture. And that marketing plan is to love one another. And indeed, it is true. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, 
that you also love one another. And then listen to what he says. And by this, your love for one another, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what makes a church stand out today in a completely uh, godless culture is the expression of unconditional unrestrained love that occurs in the context of the body of believers right here in our fellowship it is absolutely essential as a body of believers that we love one another unconditionally that we express that love towards one another by serving one another and whenever we do this what is amazing is that those who may visit us or those that we may visit are overwhelmed by the love we have for one another jesus says hey that's how you know they're my disciples notice how they treat one another notice how they love one another well, it's just for free that should challenge you this morning to make sure that you hold short accounts with every single person in your life by this I mean if somebody's wronged you or you've wronged somebody even in this fellowship don't you let that fester and sit on your heart and become bitterness and resentment you repent of that and you make that right with the person that you have wronged or the one who has wronged you you unconditionally love you stretch yourself out to minister to those in our body and those outside of our body in fact if you really think about it man left to himself to run his life apart from God and Jesus Christ will always lead a life of selfishness that person will lean toward using people for his or her own ends that person will express a kind of love towards somebody whenever it is convenient any group of people left to govern themselves apart from an unselfish and unconditional love will always fall into backbiting gossip slander and all sorts of abusive speech but as a body of believers there should be love expressed to the fullest measure if someone wants to see what love really looks like they should look no further than the church of jesus christ that's where the love should be this unconditional unrestrained serving of one another we should go through great lengths to express this love now there's a statement by c.s lewis that is often quoted i want to give that to you here now c.s lewis is a little deeper than the average bear so you got to pay close attention y'all with me say yes you don't have a soul you are a soul you have a body now th let that sink in for a moment you don't have a soul you are a soul you have a body and i want you to follow me what do we typically judge people, judge people based upon? We judge people based upon their bodies, their looks, their nationality, their background, their careers, what they wear. Uh, that is every single thing that we can see with our eyes. But check this out. Beyond the temporal body is a soul fit for eternity. And you and I do well as followers of Jesus Christ to look beyond the physical to the soul. And by the grace of God, governed by the royal law, we should love our neighbor as ourselves because, because their souls will spend eternity somewhere. And we should have such a deep love for them that we would express Jesus Christ into their lives. You, you think about that. 228,000 people living around this church body who are considered unchurched according to stats. 
228,000 people. If they breathe their last breath today, they would perish in hell. And how many churches are gathering together, even perhaps today, and they're bickering and fighting amongst one another? But it makes no sense. There are people lost, dying, and going to hell. We've got to look beyond the physical to the reality that there are souls all around us in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And if they need to see Jesus, they should see Jesus in us as we love one another unconditionally. It's our call. It's like golf swing, golf clap. Y'all listening? I appreciate it, though. You ever thought about this before? Um, Jesus was slandered tremendously because of his unconditional love towards people. You know what Jesus had people say of him in Matthew chapter 19? Here's what they said. Jesus, he's a gluttony. He's a drunkard. He's a, he hangs out with those tax collectors. Jesus, oh, he's hanging out with sinners. Look at him. He's horrible. See, the love of Jesus was unrestrained. His passion for the souls of humanity was so compelling that he gave his life for souls. So moved by the love of God towards sinners that Paul the Apostle must have had his mental capacity soaring into the heavens as he wrote Romans 5 and 8. God demonstrates his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And consider the disciple whom Jesus loved, who with a rapid heartbeat must have written, he himself is the propitiation for our sins. He himself is the covering for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. And then John pins on the parchment, this is his commandment. That we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another, just as He commanded us. It's overwhelming the amount of times that the early disciples emphasized the need for us to love one another. It's overwhelming how many times they would elevate this idea of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Where did they learn this? They learned it from the Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, Jesus was not picky about who he loved, and you and I cannot be picky about who we love either. Uh, secondly, James continues to teach us how to love. We can't think being picky isn't a big deal to Jesus. We cannot think being picky isn't a big deal to Jesus. Look at verse 9 in your Bible again. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin. And are convicted by the law as transgressors. Notice that text again. If you show partiality, you are committing sin. If you are picky about who you love, that is you love people based upon who they are, what they can do for you, then you are committing sin. Now this is an interesting phrase in the Greek context when he says you are committing sin. It gives the idea of work. Now I want you all to listen. It gives the idea of you working with sin. Serving sin. Sin. When you show partiality and you're like, I'm not going to love him. Uh, do you know what he's done to me? Or you're like, I, I'm not expressing love to her. Do you know what she said about me? Or maybe you're like, I'm not sitting with that person over dinner. What, what would, that would ruin my reputation, man. There's no way. I, what would people think of me if they saw me hanging out with those folks? 
If that is our attitude, listen, that is an attitude of partiality. Now, I want you to listen to this. An attitude of partiality has clocked in to an unrighteous business who is being bossed around by sin. James is like, don't think that is a big deal. Verse 10, he says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he's guilty of the whole thing. The nature of the royal law is unselfish, unconditional love. And James is teaching that if we are picky about who we love and we disregard others, then we are guilty of breaking the, check this out, whole law. Whole thing. Verse 11 is an example he gives. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you become a transgressor of the law. In other words, listen closely. If you choose to obey some of the law, but then you disregard other parts of the law, you're still guilty of breaking the whole law. If I'm pulled over for speeding, which that's not happened to me, but a few times, if I'm pulled over for speeding, and the officer says, you know how fast you're going? I say, yes, sir, I apologize, but... Officer, check it out. I'm wearing my seatbelt. Officer, look, my cell phone is over here in the cup holder. I'm not texting and driving. Officer, smell my breath. I'm sober. What, what is the officer going to do? You think he's going to look at me and say, Oh, I didn't realize you were following all those rules. You just keep on cruising. No. He's going to say, You still have broken the law. You are still a transgressor of the law. I cannot think that my obedience to most of the law covers my disobedience to some of the law. And here is the argument that James is making. And I want you to listen closely. He is saying you can't love most people but discriminate against some people and think it's okay. You are a breaker of the entire royal law of Christ. And you can't, you can't be like, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. It is a big deal. And that's what James is elevating. You, you've broken the law of Christ. So we can't be picky about who we love. We can't be like, I'm going to love them like me. I'm going to love them. They're, love everybody unconditionally. We can't think being picky isn't a big deal. And then here's the third answer to the question, how does James teach us to love? They're teaching us we must live in light of our outrageous freedom. Live in light of our outrageous freedom. Now look at verse 12 again. He says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. And I love that. Law of liberty is just another way to say this royal law. It's a law of freedom. Now I want you to think about this. A law of freedom? Here's the, uh, here's the tense of the Greek. Here's what he's saying. I want you to keep on acting like this. I want you to keep on speaking in this manner. I want you to keep on loving your neighbor as yourself. This is the law of liberty, but where is the freedom in loving everybody? Where, where's the freedom? Here's where, are y'all listening? Say yes, I'm going somewhere. The freedom is in the fact that you're not working with sin. When you or I work with sin, we are always going to show partiality. 
But when we submit ourselves to Christ, we are now, check this out, free from sin. And now we are submitted to Christ and we are loving everybody. There's the freedom. And can I tell you, it is an outrageous freedom. It is a, it is a liberating thing to love everyone. But what bondage comes into the heart of the follower of Jesus who shows partiality? Y'all listening? Look at me eyeball to eyeball up here. Some of you may have a problem with somebody here in the church. Guess what? You are in bondage. Sin. You're working with sin. Sin's your boss. But if you get it right before Jesus and whoever it is you might have a problem with, you're going to all of a sudden be like, that's so liberating. Feel like, you, you ever done that before? You just get it off your chest. Feel so light. That's the law of liberty. What did Jesus say? Hey, y'all tired and heavy laden, come over here. Walk with me. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My, my yoke is light and easy. <laughs> it's freedom in loving. Now, you've heard me preach it. Say yes. Same people who were clapping just a minute ago. Y'all with me? No, you've heard me preach it, yeah? All right, so well, I'm like, that's what I'm hooping and hollering. I'm trying to jump on that bandwagon. Love everybody. Because if you don't, not going to be good for you at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm trying to help you. Look at verse 13. Judgment will be, what's your Bible say? Shout it out. Let's do it again. For judgment will be to one who has shown no mercy. Now, stop there for a second. What is this saying? And again, keep it all in its context. Here's what he's saying. If you show partiality and you're like, I'll love those people because they love me. And it's easy to love people who love you, isn't it? And so you're like, I'm going to show. But these people over here, man, I tell you what. I can't love these people. They're not like me. I can't love him. I can't love her. You know what they did to me. You know what they're writing about me on Facebook. I can't show love to those people. Listen, if you show partiality and you do not show mercy and compassion towards all people, when you stand before Jesus, don't expect a bunch of mercy. Now, y'all still with me? It just got serious all of a sudden, didn't it? There's two... Major judgments in the last days. Two of them. Don't you listen? One of them is called the Great White Throne Judgment. The other one is called the Judgment Seat of Christ. The Great White Throne Judgment is the judgment of all unbelievers. Those who have not placed their faith in Jesus. The Bible is very plain in Revelation chapter 19 and 20. That those who reject Jesus Christ will one day be raised to stand before Jesus Christ who sits upon a great white throne. And Jesus, in that particular day, will look upon their souls with eyes of fire. And in that moment, he will judge them based upon their deeds. And he has a book written of every single sin that that individual who will stand before him has ever committed. Every word, every thought, every deed. And they will stand before Jesus, mouths closed, law broken, sentencing now being delved out towards them. And that sentencing 
to those who stand at the great white throne judgment will be hell for eternity. Hell. And I know some people are like, I can't stand it when preachers talk about hell. Well, sorry. And then some are like, if you keep talking about hell, you're going to scare people. It probably ought to scare you. So if you don't know Jesus and you reject him, this side of glory, you will stand before him and he will reject you. That's the great white throne judgment. Now, y'all still with me say yes? That's not the judgment James is talking about. I just thought I'd talk about it a little bit. The judgment James is talking about is the judgment seat of Christ. This is the judgment of believers. This is known as the Bema seat or the reward seat. You and I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ as believers and give an account for our faithfulness to the call of Christ upon our life. Gary Jarnick had just mentioned it a moment ago. You'll give an account for how you stewarded the resources God allowed to touch your hands. You and I will also give an account according to this text for how we treat other people. And if we do not show compassion and we do not show mercy towards others, then listen, you and I will stand before Jesus one day and we will suffer loss. You lose reward. There's a lot that goes into that. Wish I had time to preach on it. But check this out. He says, the end of verse 13, mercy triumphs over judgment. Check this out. Now, I want you all to look at me, all right? Mercy triumphs over judgment. When I show compassion towards people, guess what? That compassion overpowers my desire to judge those people. And when I act in this manner, I'll one day stand before Jesus and I'll receive rewards for my faithful service. For my faithful loving of others. Y'all all right? Now, I want you to consider this, all right? I preach this text, uh, but before I preach it to you, Jesus preaches it to me. And so I'm sitting in my study, and I'm reading through this, and I'm writing all my notes down. And uh, I can't get past any of the points without having to stop and repent. You, you can't be picky with who you love, Levi. I'm thinking, man, I'm picky. I mean, start thinking about people I don't express love to. Start thinking about people I wouldn't like to love. I wrote some of y'all's names down. Let me read them off. <laughs> you think about that, right? So, so immediately I'm like, Lord, uh, I, I, here was, here's kind of the conversation. Uh, Lord, you want me to love everybody, right? Yes, love them all. Lord, you want, you want me to love them all? Yes. Love them all. I can't do that. I know you can't. Well, what'd you tell me to do it for? If I can't do it. Y'all listening? I told you to do something you can't do. So you would fully depend on me to accomplish it. That makes sense. <laughs> Isn't it true? The Lord calls you and I to do all kinds of stuff we can't do. 
Go make disciples everywhere. Can't do it. I know you can't. Love everybody unconditionally. Can't do it. I know you can't. But that is why I have poured out into your heart, Romans 5, 5, by the Holy Spirit, my unconditional love in you. Listen, you and I as followers of Jesus, we have received, we've received the love of Christ, His unconditional love, His unrestrained love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And listen, when we are experiencing outrageous freedom, sin's not telling us what to do, but the Spirit of God's telling us what to do, that's when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the impossible. You love people that you never thought you could have loved. You love people in your family you never thought you could have loved. Love people who may not be in your family any longer. Now, y'all still with me? Because I want y'all to see this. This is awesome. How do you and I know? That God unconditionally loves us. Now, here, here's, how, here's how we know it. Because God poured out his wrath on his son at the cross. Jesus was filleted for your sin and mine. We, we, listen, we would never have known the depth of his love were it not for the sacrifice of Christ upon the cross. We would have known How will people know that you and I unconditionally love them unless there is sacrifice? A sacrifice? What are you talking about, Levi? Here's what I'm talking about. Jesus said, you don't follow me. You need to take up your cross daily, every day. Listen, taking up your cross ain't the fact you got a bum knee. Are y'all listening? Taking up your cross means that you and I willingly sacrifice over and over again our own personal desires, our own personal preferences, our own favorability. We put those things to death. And when we do, we submit to the Spirit of God, and then the love of Christ flows through us and splashes out on everybody else. That's where it is. You think about that. Think about it. Are you walking like that? When people get around you, do they walk away saying, man, that, that guy, so loving, so compassionate. I've never been around a person like that before. I, what's the deal? Are you growing in that? Or are you still living carnal, fleshly, picking and choosing who you're going to love? Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes with me, if you will. Nobody looking around. I want to ask you a few questions just to prompt your prayers here. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me ask you this. Are, are you being picky about who you love? If you are, I want you to think about that person you're being picky towards and ask Jesus to forgive you of that sin and root that old attitude out. And die to self right now. And ask him to fill you with his spirit. It's right now, right where you are. You're just praying. Everybody's praying.
Second question I would ask you, have you watered down the judgment seat of Christ? By this I mean as a follower of Jesus, do you like not even think about the fact you're going to stand before Jesus one day as a follower? He's going to like evaluate your life to see whether or not you are faithful. Listen, that's not based upon entrance into heaven or whether or not you're going to hell. If you trust Jesus, uh, man, you, you are accepted. But what will you have to show for your life? What prayer, what sacrifice, what generosity, what mercy, what compassion, what gift will you have to cast back at the feet of Jesus? And if you watered that down, just ask the Lord to elevate that reality in your life, that you would live in light of that.